Easiest thing in the world. Now for something completely similar. Live, we are live on the air. I am Brendan, and I'm Jason. Ow! And this is a podcast called for Screen and Country Baby. Oh! For Screen and Country Baby, where we talk about <laughs> movies and babies born in Tennessee. We talk about babies, child babies, movies. Oh no! No! Get out of here! I still got in here again. I'm not supposed to be here. I gotta go back to prison. Goodbye. Oh! Why does he do that? I don't know why. I don't know how he gets that. But Jason, normally on this podcast, we talk about the top 100 British films of all British time, as conceived in the British year of 1900 and British 99. The only year that ever mattered. Only year that ever mattered, except for all the ones before it, but none of the ones after it. No, no. Life. Life should just be 1999, as we learned in the Matrix, right? Because that's that's the year that everybody in the Matrix just lives in. Well, and we and as according to you know the artist, we should party like it was. Yes, so, absolutely. I mean, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't? So I guess what we're saying is, folks, we are f- fully endorsing an exodus back to 1999. So come with us, buy your tickets for ScreeningCountry.co.uk/slash/tickets. Check it. Use code Brendan is an asshole and wow. get ten percent off. But don't do it on your work computer, because they may they may frown upon that wording. Yeah, well. But anyway, Jason, yeah, normally that's what we do. We talk about the BFI Top 100 list, but right now we're in the midst of something special. We are in the midst of a uh, mini-series that we do every once in a while. Yeah. It's called, and now... For something. Completely. Similar. Yes. Meaning we, we talk about sequels, remakes, movies that are heavily inspired by. As students of film, Brendan, we like watching these sorts of movies to compare and or contrast them to mm-hmm. their uh, uh, companion entries on the British Film Institute's 100 list. Think of this as your audio component, uh, as the audio version of somebody having to do a compare contrast on an essay. Exactly, except with More swearing, swearing, lots of swearing, lots of uh, some sex jokes, very much so, Vul- vulgarities, vulgarity, occasionally political opinions, mm-hmm. which I'm warning you right now, this is a deep red state. That's right, we are uh, the reddest state in New Brunswick. Deep red. So red that we come back around the other side. Fredericton, the deep red, gayest city in New Brunswick. That's right, absolutely. Come on <laughs> down, folks. We have a great time in this city. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so we're going to do that. But before we even get started, Jason, what? we received an email. We did. We received an email. And if you want to know where you can send us an email, it's for screenandcountry at gmail.com. Easy peasy. Beautiful cover girl. <laughs> that's easy breezy. <laughs> well, that's not the cut I saw that commercial. I guess I had the, I had the uh, Criterion. You, yeah, uh, exactly. You got all the alternate cuts. Yeah. That, that was the, uh, the Belgian version. Uh, but we got an email from our old pal, Aylin Allen. He wrote in and wrote us a real letter. He did. He wrote us a letter about Alfie, the remake. He said, I just watched the remake of Alfie in line with this podcast. Thank you. Uh, And I need to vent. Written before listening to your podcast. um, Okay, this is written before listening to the podcast. Firstly, watching this remake makes me appreciate you guys taking the risk and the risk and delving into potentially awful films. Mainly trying to follow along on the BFI list and Brit picks, but Mm -hmm. I've not done many of the similar watches. As for this remake itself, I found it quite timid and dull, lacking in humor and charm, and only peripherally dealing with some of the harsher issues addressed in the original. My main positive is that some of the actresses uh, were strongly portrayed, particularly Marissa Tomei, Tomei, uh, but found little else to be interesting. Obviously, the biggest difference is how the issue of abortion was portrayed. This film, I felt, took the easiest way out uh, and didn't want to challenge the viewer and more likely not offend vast swaths of the population. Although I don't think the original necessarily took a pro-choice or pro-life approach, but just portrayed a harrowing situation, which I definitely agree with that. Um, Also, there was no big scene like the bar fight earlier and the betrayal of the friend in in this. And the betrayal of the friend in this is much more tepid than the one portrayed in the original with his friend at the halfway house. Mm. Uh, Even small things that were missing, such as not showing Susan Sarandon's younger new boyfriend or an equivalent of the stray dog, made me feel such nice touches were missing. Can appreciate that it shouldn't be a shot-for-shot remake, but there was hardly anything that enhanced or just yeah. matched the original. Recommend anyone to watch the original or to just watch some middle-of-the-road daytime network TV drama, which probably takes more risks than this film. 
This remake has probably further enhanced for me the greatness of the original, and maybe had I not seen the original, I may not have been as harsh on the remake, and just found it to be a mediocre, but not necessarily awful, light comedy drama. Love you guys, and loving the podcast. Hey, thanks, man. We appreciate that, and the deep analysis. And I agree with you. I, I it, 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 This is the sort of remake where it doesn't have... It, it doesn't... Because a remake obviously can go two ways in my mind. They can either be a slavishly devoted version of the original, which this was not, um, and that has its own advantages and disadvantages, or it tries to do something on its own and maybe have its own, you know, perspective. And this one doesn't really do that. No. It doesn't doesn't have any teeth. I was probably pretty easy on it just because a lot of these movies that we watched made me want to do harm to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yes, exactly. And, and this one, certainly in comparison to... Uh, the Dr. Zhivago remake or, or others Lawrence after and Arabia. Lawrence after Arabia. This was, you know, this was a breeze. The English Patient 2, yeah. English Boogaloo, <laughs> uh, to English to Patient. Crash that. Uh, How did they crash that plane again? The, I thought he was already dead. They, they brought him back to life with this plane crash. The English Patient 3, uh, Sahara uh, Sahara Drift. This At this uh, point, it's basically a remake of Weekend at Bernie's. Uh, then it gets weird and it's just like English Patient. English the patient. The English patient. It's like decide. The English patient leprechaun six. <laughs> English patient in the hood. Yeah. <laughs> English patient in space is my particular favorite. Why is this guy all wrapped up in bandages? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so now, yes, so thank you, Aylin. Thank you, Aylin. Thank you for that email again. The fir- is that the first, like, full letter we've gotten? Well, we got one from Steve. That's right. Uh, maybe I'll read it next time. Oh. Yeah, yeah, all right. We'll save Steve that. from everything I learned from movies. But yeah, you can send us an well, email. He doesn't guys. count. He's been on our show. I mean, a letter from someone who hasn't been on our show. <laughs> so you're saying, for the record, fuck Steve. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Love you, Steve. You said that in the same tone that you say to your wife, which right. frankly disturbs me a little bit. Steve, I love you. Izzy, back off. <laughs> Izzy, Izzy, stand back and stand by. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> no war. Bye, bye, orange motherfucker. Get it out. Got to get it out right now. Fuck out. you, pumpkin. I'm, fuck you. Fuck everything about you. Fuck. Fuck you so much. Fuck you. Fuck you. This has been Brendan's audio interpretation of your uncle's Facebook page. The the opposite of your uncle's Facebook page. No, no. Page. It's your, your cool uncle. Oh, okay. Okay. Thank you. So now we have to talk about this. Uh, the movie we're talking about this week, which is a remake of a film uh, that was number 13 on the BFI Very Top 100. Very high. Uh, we're talking about the 2004 remake of The Lady Killers. What happened across the sea may come to you and me. Oh, come, let us go back to God, go back. So that that gospel music mm-hmm. can only mean one thing, Jason. We are talking about the Lady Killers, as I just said. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna break it down, if you will. We're gonna take a look at this movie, this interesting remake. This interesting remake, which I will say checks the first box. In that it's a remake that does something different. Absolutely. Right, right I will at, give it that. Right, right off out the of the gate. Right out of the gate. We we look at this because the original movie is a contemporary English setting, right? Yep. Like it's a very white movie. Very white movie. This is a I would argue late ninety or, or early nineties maybe set. I would say. Based I on, think it's supposed to be contemporary. Is yeah, but she makes a lot of references to uh, 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 to that that rap song. Uh, I left my wallet in El Segundo by a tribe called Quest, and that's like from the early '90s. So, deep south setting. It looks very hot. Mm. You know, it's got that kind of a uh, little bit of a washed out look to it that gives it that uh, you know just just radiates heat off the screen. A lot of wavy lines. Yeah, a lot a lot of sweat on people. Yeah, and so. Much like in the original, though, we have these assembly of characters that are brought together to uh, uh, perform a heist. We have Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Playing the title role. Um, it basically was played by Alec Guinness yes. in the original. Uh, playing Professor Dorr in this movie. Yes. Goldthwaite Higginson Dorr, PhD. Yeah. Is his full name. Silly name. Uh, we have Irma P. Hall playing Mrs. Munson. She is the old lady, uh, of course. 
yes. in the movie. And then we have a, just a litany of, uh, of you know, goons, crew, criminals. Character actors. Uh, we have Marlon Wayans, inexplicably. Yes. Why which not? I thought I, The first time, I remember <laughs> when I first saw this, I had just seen, like, Scary Movie 2 or something. And I'm like, he's in a Coen Brothers movie? <laughs> like, that struck me as a little odd. Uh, Do you Mar- want to see Requiem <sighs> for a Dream, motherfucker? <laughs> Probably not at that time, actually. But Marlon Wayans plays Gawain McSam, mm-hmm. um, who you might argue is portrayed as a full-on stereotype. I to would some say. extent, but that's also kind of Marlon Wayans. It was a character that Marlon Wayans was doing at that time as well. Wait, he wasn't many... taking Gawain McSam on the road. Yeah, yeah, totally. He was from from town to town, up and down the dial. Did you, wait, did you think that was like one of his like in living color characters? <laughs> no, but I mean, just that particular personality. Like that was what was that personality that Marlon Wayans has in that movie is the Marlon Wayans personality that whoever hired him for many movies in the early 2000s hired him for. You want Dungeons and Dragons? You want Marlon Wayans? That's right. This is who you're getting. Marlon Wayans and Jeremy Irons together at last. Yeah, and the other guy who I don't even know who (laughs) Who cares. Some dumb white guy. Yeah. Uh, Okay, we have J.K. Simmons, the great great J.K. Simmons playing Garth Pancake. With a fantastic mustache. Um, With, with, I gotta say though, funny names are not funny. (laughs) Sorry, I'm just gonna say Garth Pancake, whatever. It makes me laugh. (laughs) Uh, Well, you're wrong then. We have a legendary Japanese actor, Z Ma. As the general. We only know him as the general. We never hear his name. Um, It's implied that he's some sort of NVA operative who uh, uh, (laughs) worked in the tunnels in the Vietnam War. Uh, And then rounding out the group, we have Ryan Hurst, who uh, some people would know from uh, Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, I looked that up and was like, oh, that guy. Um, And he plays Lump Hudson, the dumb jock football player. Doing an impression of uh, that dude from uh, uh, the dude that was on Coach. Oh, I think you were going to say doing an impression of Spinner from Death to Smoochie. (laughs) No, no, he's doing... My name is Spinner! (laughs) No, he's doing the... The dude that was on Coach was in a... uh, Craig T. uh, Nelson? uh, No, the other guy. He was in a... uh, And and that dude was in a... uh, TV movie version of The Stand, Stephen King's The Stand. He played a character who was mentally challenged, and that's what the guy's voice sounds like. Oh. M-O-O-N. That's how you spell moon. We have Diane Delano as Mountain Girl. Yeah. Mountain Girl. Or Mountain Water, whatever you prefer. Mountain Water. <laughs> um, we have a, a legendary comedian, George Wallace. Yes. As, I was so uh, happy to see his face. I love that man. Yeah. Follow him on Twitter. He's hilarious. As a Sheriff Weiner. Uh, we have another legendary comic actor, Stephen Root. Playing yes. uh, Mr. Good, he's the guy who he's the boss at the. Um, I feel like the, this type of movie, at the casino, it, it just in its very like base DNA. There's like a clause in some contract somewhere where it's like we have to put Stephen Root in this, yeah, to be like a middle manager or something. And then just rounding in a couple of real quick appearances, Greg Grun- Greg Grunberg as a TV director, uh, clearly high as fuck on cocaine. I that is the most jacked up Greg Grunberg performance I've ever seen. Uh, Blake Clark, real brief as a yeah, football coach. That guy who's been in a million things. And an uncredited silent cameo yeah. from Bruce Campbell. Just Yeah, I'm just, wait a minute, is that fucking Bruce Campbell in the background? Let us not forget, the Coens <laughs> also put him in a soap opera on a TV in Fargo. Nice, so, yeah. Well, they, they must love his movies. <laughs> I, I think they just like to have him around. I wish they'd just make a movie with him. Like, don't stop giving him cameos. Fucking put him in a movie. You tell me the Coens did not direct Evil Dead Two. They, sh- I mean, fuck that would Maniac cool. Cop. They probably wouldn't have abused Bruce quite as much as Sam did, but uh, <laughs> so I don't know if it would have been as good. Yeah, Bruce, just run your elbow all along the wall and fall down the stairs. It's gonna be fine. I'm just gonna whack you in the face with these branches, Bruce. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> but the Lady Killers, 2004 mm. remake of the 1955 movie. I would say it follows the story almost exact, pretty almost much identical. The, the, the details are somewhat different. Like, because in the original, they're just robbing a bank, aren't they? Well, that's I they're mean, not yeah, like they're robbing we're, a casino. We're, we're, yeah, I guess they weren't. Here. They weren't tunneling in. That was the thing in the original. They weren't tunneling into the. No, bank. the heist was definitely different. But yeah. the extent of the thing where criminals come in. Yeah, the overall uh, structure is pretty much exactly the same. Staying in an old lady's yeah. house, plotting a heist. The heist goes wrong. The old lady finds out. They plot to kill her. It all goes wrong. They all die. That's basically. And then she ends up with all the money at the end. Yeah, yeah. The ending is almost like identical. Yeah, yeah um, exactly. <laughs> Why don't you keep it? <laughs> But I mean, I gotta say the one thing, one striking thing about this movie that kind of gets me right away is it, the whole thing has this feeling of death around it, like mm. right away. Interesting. We we just watched. Um, you guys heard, but Jason and I get to watch. But we just watched the uh, opening theme song, yes. right? And I mean, you mentioned we see the crow on top of the statue, which mm-hmm. will come back later. We see the garbage boat slowly going underneath the bridge, and we hear the song "Let's Go Back to God." Yeah. 
So it's very like I don't know. It, it's a similar thing that the original does because I think in the original there was all this like these like stark like shadows. Yes. But even when Alec Guinness enters the movie, yes. like his shadow, and they do that here too. Like when Tom Hanks comes into the movie, all the candles go out and everything, right? Yeah. So it's almost like it's almost like these the, the very like you know <laughs> days death yeah. essentially. Can we talk about Tom Hanks for a sec? Well, we're going to talk about Tom Hanks. Don't worry. I, 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 I'm not going to. I'm not going to skip. Well, I, we don't. Have to, yes, let's talk about Tom Hanks because this is going to be the biggest point well, of discussion. According to IMDb's trivia page, it mm-hmm. says that he didn't watch the original Lady Killers. He did not. Which is crazy because his performance is straight up. Like in my mind, that's straight up. He's doing a southern version of Alec Guinness doing Alistair Sim. Like, I don't know if that, if that in the original, like, writing that that comes across so well or in the description of it, but he really feels like he's channeling that same spot. Jason, I'm so glad you mentioned that because yeah. I actually have a clip of a guy talking. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but this is who Tom Hanks apparently looked to um, on, on, um, on suggestion from the Coens to kind of develop the voice. Now, it's not exactly. You're not going to hear exactly yeah. the same, but it's something he... Uh, he used for inspiration. Those who oppose Ronald Reagan, a site exhibiting traditional American ingenuity, almost everything they can think to say against him. A careful attention is given not to citing his record as governor of the largest state of the Union, to which office he was re-elected in a heavily democratic state. Careful tabulation reveals that in order of their frequency, Mr. Reagan is criticized, A, for having been born too long ago, B, for being inexperienced in foreign affairs. C, for standing by a series of propositions no different from those he articulated in 1964. And D, for being lazier than other candidates who travel more frequently to New Hampshire and Iowa. These criticisms are difficult to confute objectively if Ronald Reagan were to enter the 1980 Olympics and win the 100-yard dash. There are those who would say that that was the last diffusion of a discharging battery. <laughs> if tomorrow he were to write a sequel to Machiavelli's The Prince, there are those who would say that here finally is proof that Ronald Reagan's mind is rooted in the Renaissance. Was that William F. Buckley? William F. Buckley is someone he... So he, he basically appropriated his uh, desire to use lots and lots of big words and, and flowery language. Yeah, and yeah. a little bit of kind of the way he talks. Like yeah. There's a little bit of that the, cadence so, there. Exactly, yes. The cadence yeah. of... Da, 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 yeah. Da, 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 like, yeah, exactly. So I just think that's interesting that yeah. he, that's the, such a weird like little nugget to take from. Like, and William and F. that Buckley. it's so and it's so weirdly similar to... Alec Guinness doing Alistair Sim. Like, it's it's very strange, but with a southern, with that southern veneer on top. What I really like, too, is um, he's taking that William F. Buckley thing, and, you know, William F. Buckley is a very polarizing figure, obviously. Very prominent conservative writer and, right. and pundit, uh, yeah. you know, in the past. Certainly not the Sean Hannity of his day. No, but, no, but much more thoughtful than today's uh, yeah. TV conservatives, <laughs> yeah. for sure. Um, but it, but it's a guy. I like. Would you? I would describe. I would describe Tom Hanks' character in this movie as a faux intellectual. Yes. Like yes, he's he definitely always... putting on it. Well, we never get the sense he claims to be a PhD. I mean, I whether he, he actually is or not, we don't know. He does at least seem to like to read ancient languages. He's reading that book, unless he's just sitting there reading a book he can't understand uh, to put up airs. Well, I mean, I mean. Borrowing from that Donald Trump can't read theory, mm. uh, I think that's what's happening. I think I think this whole thing is a show. I think I mean we know he's a con man. Yeah, uh, we know he's we know he's ultimately like I don't even know like when when his do you think crew... he's do you think he's that oblivious a con man? They wouldn't even pick like something like that. It's like oh, if I say I'm a professor of literature, then I can read books rather than like Greek and Latin <laughs> to maintain the charade. I don't know. I even like the the. I was going to say the conspiracy theory, theory in me, but <laughs> the conspiracy I'm not. theory in this movie that the Cone Brothers were putting in a secret message. No, no, no. The conspiracy theorist part of me, however small that may be, mm-hmm. um, thinks that maybe even when his crew start dying, if he's just like kind of letting that happen a little more than he's letting on, because he's like, well, obviously I would get a bigger share of the money. Yeah. Um, even to that extent, because I'm like, I'm sure he has no qualms about. Ultimately, he doesn't get a chance to, but I'm sure he would have had no qualms about killing the old lady. 
I think he's the only one that would have done it right away. Uh, well, I mean, Zima, the general. At the same pretty... time, then, if he was the only one that wouldn't have any qualms of doing it, why is he going to get everybody else to do it first? I mean, because I guess he doesn't want it on his hands. He doesn't want it on his hands, and maybe he thinks they're going to fuck it up because they're all pretty they're all pretty dumb for the most part, hmm. except for, like, the general and him. Yeah, the general. Uh, the general's death is a comedy of errors, more so than his own stupidity. Well, yeah, we'll get into that because <laughs> I have some questions about that. But anyway... Uh, yeah, so Tom Hanks. Well, what else do you want to say about Tom Hanks? Well, I love Tom Hanks, and I think he's having a lot of fun in this movie. Yeah. Um, Playing a, a such a cartoonish, almost, Oh, he's character. a cartoon character. And, and that's what I love about this movie in comparison to the original, and that was one of my complaints about the original, is that outside of Alec Guinness's character, who was very funny, and the old lady, who was wonderful, the characters in the movie were pretty much zeros. Like, there wasn't a whole lot to them. And, and as we pointed out, we had... Uh, future comedian uh, Peter uh, Sellers in there, and he wasn't given. Yeah, <laughs> no, he wasn't a comedian at the time. At the time. He was just a. Uh, he was just a lawn. He, uh, he was still just a miserable person, but eventually he became a miserable person who was a comedian. Yeah, <laughs> but, so a comedian, exactly, absolutely. <laughs> but he he was not. He didn't have the opportunity to show his uh, to show his uh, uh, true colors. His hand. That's what he's got. He's show his true, true colors shine through. through. Show your Peter Sellers. That what you call your penis. That's our real clue, so... Every morning you wake up, you bend your head over your crotch, and you scream right into it. You can't fight in here. This is the war room. I mean, you'd have to announce it to the world. (laughs) But, no, okay, so here's my thing, though. I will say, yes, it is is cartoonish and everything, and it's basically a cartoon. I I guess my ultimate point, though, was that, yeah, these milquetoast white guys that don't have much to differentiate them other than one is kind of tall. In this movie, we've got a collection of very defined... Very specific and, 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 of course, over-the-top characters uh, yeah. that, to enjoy and to chew on. So this movie, I, I appreciate... So you're getting ready, aren't you? I appreciate you're like, you're like say it. Say it, say motherfucker. It. <laughs> no, I liked this movie when it came out. And in fact, when I, when I, when it has the reputation of being one of the lesser Coen brothers. Yeah, absolutely. This, this and Intolerable Cruelty yeah. are always talked about as like the two worst Coen absolutely, movies. Absolutely, yeah. And I was always a defender of this movie. I always said like, no, come on, fuck off. Like, that's not true. This movie's mm. great. I don't hate it. I don't dislike it. But I will say that... Just the whole, like, aspect of the characters being very defined and cartoonish. Mm. I think there's a lot of good things in the movie. I don't think it comes together mm-hmm. that well. Like, that's that's my only thing. So, like, you know, if I'm, like, a Roger Ebert type and I'm, like, doing, like, a, out of a four stars, yes. I might do it, like, a two and a half. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, there's something, there's just something missing yeah. to me. I the, get that. The jokes feel too much at times, like... Haha, this is where we laugh. Rather than the Coens are, I feel like, more, like, yeah. normally, like, subtle, like... Quirky, but like nuanced. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I get you. I get you. I do like this movie, but I, I there's something about it, and I, I think it's the same to the original. Where I don't know. I just don't relate to it. Mm-hmm. I guess. And 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 it's and not that I have to. Not that I expect to have to be able to relate to a movie to enjoy it. And I enjoy this movie fine, but it's like it just doesn't resonate with me deep in my soul in the ways other movies we've watched had. Even something like Brief Encounter, which is, you know, a movie that is not my life at all. I'm not a lady, number one, and I'm pretty sure that. Just give me a sec. Confirmed. Zip. Uh, uh, but that movie just that 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 stirred me, you know, in my emotional center. Whereas this movie, though funny, like doesn't do that. No. And and the original certainly didn't do that either. But okay, and you mentioned like it's hard to get to kind of latch on to any of these characters' trajectories in either movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually just want to play a clip of uh, Mrs. Munson at the beginning mm-hmm. of the movie. where we're, This is her character introduction where she walks into the sh- uh, sheriff's office. Now, if you'll remember... In the and origi- again, Jason, we're not going to look at porn, so no. stop opening Google Chrome. You'll remember, of course, in the original movie, the, the setup is is the old lady comes in and the, and the police inspector's there, and she's basically bothering him with bullshit. And, you know, he kind of, like, glad hands her and eventually gets her to go away. And that's exactly how it plays out. And, you know, it's not exactly the same scene, obviously. So, listen. Listen. You know the Fontes boy. Um, McAtee Fontes? No, no, not him. We Mac. McAtee's eldest. Oh, yeah. I believe I do. Well, he's a good boy now. Mm-hmm. But he done gone down to the Costco in Pascagoula and got himself a blaster. What? And he been playing that music. Well, if you want, you know, I Loud! Could, well, I could go talk to him. Left my wallet, Nell Segundo. He left his wife. Hippity-hop music. You know, they calls it hippity-hop music, but it don't make me want to go hippity-hop. Mm-mm. Mm. 
and Otha don't like that music neither. It's been disturbing Otha then, has it? Well, how could it help but do? Left my wallet in El Segundo. He left his wallet? Do you know what they call colored folks in them songs? Have you got any idea? No, ma'am, I don't think niggas. Ooh. I don't even want to say the word. Nah, I won't say it twice. I can tell you that. I said one time. Yes, ma'am. In the course of swearing out my complaint. Yes, ma'am. Niggas. <laughs> Two thousand years after Jesus, thirty years after Martin Luther King, the age of Montel. Uh, Sweet uh, Lord uh, of mercy, is that where we at? The age of Montel. Montel Williams? That's what I thought. <laughs> I, I noted that too, because I was like, what is she talking about? <laughs> um, so, I mean... She's a, a lot more abrasive. Oh yeah, no, than, absolutely. Than the sweet little old lady in uh, in the first she the original is, film. She is the archetype. She is the the strong matron woman, the church lady that you do not fuck with because she will destroy you. I mean, she's the sassy black character. Yeah, honestly. absolutely. <laughs> she's that, but, but I mean, but she's representative. There are a lot of people like that. I know yeah. uh, old ladies that have that attitude, no matter their color. <laughs> but my thing is, I don't. At that that point, I'm like I'm, I'm like I'm finding her funny and stuff and everything. But as the movie goes on, I start to really find it hard to root for her. Mm. Like she gets she's obnoxious. Oh yeah. There she's, are moments where she where she talks about um, donating to university to and she, Bob Jones. Well, we'll mention yeah. Well, hold on to that for just a second. But she talks about donating to Bob Jones University and she says, "I send them five dollars all the time. They put my name in the newsletter. I'm an angel." And it's like, <laughs> all right, yeah. like that's the point where I'm like, that's a tipping point for me. Oh, Jason, tell us why uh, it's such a big deal. Well, that Bob she Jones don't... University, uh, uh, like many, like like your Oral Roberts University or your Liberty University, is like a Bible college. Right? So it's, it's perfectly just... fine, and nothing bad ever happens. No, it's a it's a paragon of Southern education, uh, except for the fact that it didn't uh, desegregate. I think until the seventies, maybe nineteen seventy one was the first time they let a black person study yeah, at Bob Jones University. They didn't even allow interracial dating until the two thousand two. Thousand. When I was in university, for fuck's sake. Like, yeah. That's insane. The year 2000 was the first year they... Now, do you think they I, know I this I feel like movie? this must have come up. I feel like that must have been in the news, because this was 2004, this movie came out, right? Yeah. So I bet you that was part of their thought when they were writing it. It's like, oh yeah, the hilarity of a black lady donating to this crazy right. university. But are, do you think this movie... Like, obviously, they have to be aware, but do you think in this movie they're like... They're making it like the character doesn't know that. Like when she's talking about donating, she just sees it as like, oh, it's a Bible school. You know? I, I think I think her religiosity overrides any other concerns. I think she okay. sees a Bible college that is preaching the word of the Lord, and that's what matters to her. But what do you think that they're trying to say about that character by having her donate to? That that's how religious she is, that she doesn't even care about that stuff. Yeah. That it's, it's the fact that it's a fundamentalist Bible college, and it's following her certainly harder line interpretation of religion like like for instance when we see the uh, the pastor giving that wonderful like whooping type uh, sermon um he's talking about he's like you gotta smite him smite smit and smoke like and he's talking about like you know upside the head he's, do you want to hear the pastor yeah let's let's hear the pastor for sure i know you all remember that when moses came down the mountain hearing the word of god come down that sinai peak he caught them israelites red-handed what did he catch him doing he caught him worshiping a golden calf he caught him worshiping a false god he caught them Israelites in decline. in decline. What did Moses do when he saw those declining, backsliding, never mind sinners? What did he do? What did he do? Moses smote those sinners in his wrath. Yes, he did. Y'all know what smote is. I smite, you smite, he smites, we done smote. To smite is to go upside the head. Sometimes, brothers and sisters, that's the only way. To smite is to remind we got to stop that decline and scramble back up to the face of the almighty G.R. Instead of worshiping that golden calf, that earthly trash on that garbage island, that garbage island, the Shadowland. the kingdom of God. Yeah. That garbage yeah. island with scavenger birds feet yeah. on the bones of the backs of lighting down. And so, yes. let us pray. Damn. 
For yeah. real, if, if if Churchlight had been like that as a kid, I probably would have enjoyed it a lot more. <laughs> yeah, no, it looks fun. But um, that's some hardline shit. He's talking about smiting people. And I just I just realized, didn't realize it watching the movie, but he says Garbage Island. Yeah. In reference to the literal garbage island that's out there. Where we eventually will see the bodies being yeah. dropped. And, and, and nobody and, ever notices. And he's yeah, no, and he says like that earthly trash on that yeah. garbage island. That just I know what he's saying literally, but I mean that's clearly some foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Um, again, we had the crow on the statue earlier, we saw the riverboat, we saw yeah. the island. This movie knows what it's doing. It's a Cohen Brothers movie. Mm-hmm. It's all being put together delicately. Yeah. I just sometimes think that some of it doesn't fit together. It's but it, it's clearly scaffolded on the bones of the original like this isn't a totally original take on this original movie but it's they have the structure there in place and they're doing their own thing with it which i appreciate can i can i tell you i know you probably normally save this for bits and bobs but can i just tell you my favorite line in this entire movie do it tell me is when jk simmons is arguing with marlon wayans and he says oh great i got blueberry syrup on my safari jacket (laughs) it's the way he says that line just kills me. What made me the kinda, fact that he has to say it's a safari jacket. You know what I mean? Yeah. What What made me laugh and and go oh was when J.K. Simmons started getting condescending about race relations. Uh, when because he talks about like I came down here in 1960 as part of the Freedom Riders, you know the concerned white people that came along. To, and it, then he's like, we fought for your freedom. Like he's just like, oh shit, man, back off. I, I wrote that he's he's white splaining. He is absolutely <laughs> to, absolutely to Marlon Wayans for like half the he, movie. He's kind of the stereotype of of the. Uh, 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 elitist liberal in some ways, you know that, uh, or. But he seems like, like a. Elitist. He is good. He is good hearted, he, but he also is kind of stupid. He's like an elitist conservative. Like, yeah, like kind of. But but he he came down in support of black folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just uh, feels superior about doing that. <laughs> I do like how pretty much every answer Marlon Wayans has to that though is like fuck you, fuck I, you. I don't vote. <laughs> At one point he says I don't vote. I don't vote. Which yeah. now which now is a scary thing to oh, say. Yeah. Jeez, you fucking. You better have voted this election, Marlon. <laughs> well, it was Marlon that did it. Joe Jorgensen. <laughs> what a waste. Um, so, yeah, their back and forth is interesting. Um, again, Marlon Wayans is kind of a stereotype, but he's doing that Marlon Wayans thing. Uh, J.K. Simmons, we got to talk about J.K. Simmons. Because yeah. I think out of... Aside from Tom Hanks, probably, because he, I think he's the most fully realized character and he has a whole thing going on. Mm. J.K. Simmons is... Definitely my favorite of the other oh, crew. Yeah. He's um, great. He's he's great, and I mean, we see him. Such a weird character. Like, he's a very weird character. He's a he's a ter- he's a terrible at his job. He's yeah, awful he, at his job. He puts like, has the mask on the dog, and the dog can't breathe. And Greg Grunberg's like ready to have a fucking heart attack. Yeah, he's well, so gacked up. And, well, he's like he's like what well, like a. He's, like like a, he's an animal handler on a, on a film set, yeah. But also like an explosives expert. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> must be a side gig for him. Yeah, him and Mountain uh, Mountain Girl. Uh, Mountain Girl. Don't call her Mountain uh, not Water. Not Mountain Water. Mountain Girl. Yeah, okay. they're and and of course he has Bruce Campbell there in the background with him as a humane he, that humane fucker. Yes, which absolutely. I would not be surprised if in the credits he is credited as that humane fucker. That humane fucker, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, no, he he basically uh, causes a dog to die. In a, yeah, on a set. tries to get him out the mouth. Of course, no luck. Yeah. You'd think this was a Fairly Brothers movie. <laughs> I, just a lot of the lines from J.K. Simmons, actually, because I, I know there's another one where a character dies and uh, someone says, uh, oh, I'm just going to check his carotid artery. And then he goes, nope, I'm not getting anything. And then someone says, like, uh, is he dead? I just checked his carotid artery. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who's the medical expert here, guys? Yeah. <laughs> But again, oh. again, it goes into my th- it goes into my fucking conspiracy theory, Jason. That Tom Hanks' character has purposely hired all these dunderheads, except for the general, yeah, because he wants more money. Yes, and he thinks they're gonna fuck up and get themselves killed. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly, because the general seems to be the only one that has like straight competence. Yeah, across the board until his until scene. his yeah until his uh, uh, end. And what do you think about like the way they kind of introduce everyone? I, I, I do like the general's uh, introduction where they go into the donut shop. The two guys try to rob the donut shop, and the general just fucking jams his fingers up his nose and then, like, slams his head into the table, and, and then the wife takes the other guy. It's great. I, I also, like, I remember when I first saw this movie not really knowing anything going into it, because I saw it in the theater, so yeah. I would have been, like, 17. Um, I had thought that the characters they were introducing were the two people robbing the store. Mm. So they kind of throw you a little bit. Yeah. Like these guys go in and they're pointing the guns. Yeah, because they seem like the sort of guys you would hire for a heist. Yeah. But then when it turns out it's the kindly looking older man 
Well, not that kindly. He does have a Hitler mustache. <laughs> well, we should note that Zima, the actor, is, has a is an is a legendary actor. Oh, yeah. Like he's been in so much. I I could not list it because there is I would we'd sit here for hours. But he is he's quite good in this. He doesn't have a whole lot of dialogue. It's all physical, pretty much for him. Yeah, he basically says oh, so sorry when he's told not to smoke. <laughs> and actually, honestly, if I had to pick, I, I think there is a weak link. I don't think the Ryan Hurst character is that interesting. And I know he's just supposed to be like a dumb yeah. character, but the, the, this is where the styles clash for me. It's like you have this like southern, uh, you know, southern Kentucky fried humor, yeah. quirky and everything, and then you have just like broad, like yeah. ridiculous slapstick. And I did like I, I do like the bit where he like makes a useful suggestion where they're talking about how to get Marlon Wayans' character's job back, and he's like, "Why don't we bribe him?" Well, that's a good idea. You know? well, that's, and it, yeah, but there's not enough of that. No. Like, I just feel like he doesn't get a whole lot of FaceTime in the movie. Doesn't really contribute a whole lot, other than literally being the guy that throws out the bodies over onto the uh, barge and, yeah. and the dirt and whatever else they need. There's no eye in team. Yeah, he's got stuff like that. Also, let's point out in this town, barges come by on a five minute basis. It seems <laughs> they're just always coming by. The barges don't stop all day, every day. They run like the TTC. That's baby. right. They are on time, man. Goddamn. And that was a joke only for Canadians. And only for Canadians in a specific part of Ontario or co-workers of yours. I, I think, I think, <laughs> whoa, don't give it away. <laughs> I think people uh, in other parts of Canada know what the TTC is. Yeah, but do they care? Well, we're going to find that out, Jason, because surprise, surprise, we've, we are launching another podcast. This it's is a called, podcast where we review the greatest transport systems in Canada. It's called TTC Toronto Transit Cares, <laughs> and uh, we talk about the various uh, transit systems. Yeah. Uh, having n- Not living in Toronto, we, we talk about other people. Other people call and they tell their stories about yes. traveling on the TTC. Um, we're in a bit of a lull right now. There are a lot of traveling, but you know, people have uh, banked some stories. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's, there's, there's so many stories of, of love, of... Of, of um, romance, yeah. of, of just dirty, dirty sex, uh, uh, probably lots of masturbation, um, vomiting, yeah. certainly. Well, that's all uh, the same occurrence you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, it could very well all be in the same five-minute span. Yeah. Hmm. But so, uh, look forward to that. So, yeah, TTC, Toronto Transit Cares, coming to a local podcast app near you. That's right. You'll only be able to get it on the Fredericton app. <laughs> it's only going to be on the on the Fredericton Transit right. uh, Hotspot Hot, mobile app. Hotspot podcast mobile Hotspot add-on mobile. <laughs> for all your transit-related podcasts. <laughs> Lady Killers. Lady Killers is a movie. <laughs> The general doesn't get a whole lot to do either. No, to be he he gets a few good physical comedy moments, and and there's a, actually that's what I like about this movie is it's kind of as a remake, it's also trying to do a little a couple of old school gags in the course of it, and one of them the general does where if he has the cigarette and the old lady comes down, he just flips it back into his mouth. How did which, he do that? I don't know. That's I, I feel like that's something I've seen in like silent movies from the twenties, like people doing tricks with the cigarettes like that, like. You just kind of, you can hold it backwards in your mouth and not burn yourself. It's possible. Have you, you ever done a, a shotgun uh, with weed? I don't. And that's where you, ha- you have a joint, right? You know, you normally smoke a joint like this. You take it, you turn it around, you put it backwards in your mouth, you put it, your lips on it, and then you grab the other person's hand and you <sighs> blow into their mouth. Or if it's a girl, you just get right up close and you maybe get mm, steal a little kiss. Can't say that I have. No. Well, you should try it sometime. All I'm right. not going to do it because I would burn myself. But uh, I've known lots of people that are quite adept at it mm. in the stoner community. Mm. 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 So with that aside. But yes, I was going to say, um, actually, I was thinking about it while you were talking about that he's doing some silent movie gags. Yeah. He kind of has the Charlie Chaplin mustache, yeah, right? Absolutely. And yeah. if he's doing these little silent gags, I mean, maybe that's the Cohen's little nod to Chaplin. The other old movie I mean, gag. I mean, the other silent movie uh, phenomenon was Adolf Hitler, so it could be yeah, that too. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, the other old movie uh, gag that I love, and I believe, it, based on what I read, it's a reference to a specific movie, but I feel like I've seen it in cartoons and stuff, where she keeps talking to the painting of her deceased husband, and throughout the yeah. movie at different points the expression of the painting changes <laughs> i i read that it was specifically from somewhere but yeah, I it was a preston Sturges movie I y- believe. yes yeah. uh yes but uh but i i know i've seen that gag elsewhere in in the time since and i just appreciated it like at some point yeah when the first explosion happens they go over to the painting and all of a sudden ortho's got like this open mouth like oh <laughs> yeah that's her that's her late husband yes uh the portrait of her late husband that expression keeps changing. she keeps talking to him and he's like oh what a man and again some that's kind like, of man and again that's like in another realm like those jokes 
jokes are in another realm. Like it's it's like a whole other movie come like keeps trying to like come into this movie. That's what I felt like. I just thought it was I just thought it was adding to the old timiness of the movie. Like I, I, I enjoyed them anyways. Um he also is kind of like a judge or like a god presiding yeah. over everything. Yeah, exactly. She never says a bad word about him, and so he's kind of this overriding, like, uh, authority but loving figure. Mm-hmm. It occasionally gives a disgruntled look when the painting changes. <laughs> now, I say these this joke, like, feels like it's in another movie, to me anyway, um, and some of the jokes feel like another, it's in another movie, but nothing more so than this little runner, if I may use the term, Afflicts over two million people, yet most of us have never heard of it. And it strikes without regard to age, gender, or race. Oh, fuck, man. I don't want to hear about this shit. Well, that's exactly the kind of attitude we're fighting. I guess I never told you that's how Mountain Girl and I met. At an IBS weekend at Grossinger's up in the Catskills. Of course, the tourist business there has suffered with the demise of the Morse belt. So they have various promotions, mixers, so on. This was a weekend for irritable bowel singles to meet, support each other, share stories. Man, look here. I don't want to hear a single one of them stories, okay? Now, some of them are very Not moving. one fucking story! Look, I didn't choose to have IBS. Man, shut the fuck up! There's no cure, you know. Only control. Lifelong condition. Yeah, you know, and being an asshole is a lifelong condition, too. Just drop the fucking tools. I'm not complaining. I did meet Mountain Girl. So that was weird. Um, and then there's a lot of, there's like literal like fart jokes later, later which again, it's just. It's, Although I wonder, I wonder if anybody had really heard of IBS until this movie I, came out. I wonder if this movie sort of did the thing of, of raising it in somewhat. I mean, not that this movie was a massive success, but. <laughs> Wait, do you think this movie treated it in a sensitive way? <laughs> no, I'm not saying that, but I'm wondering if maybe somebody on IBS, on the staff had IBS and thought it would be funny to, to also have him do basically a whole sales pitch for it, but also to literally raise some awareness about it. Cause I never heard of it until I, I had a friend in university that, that uh, suffered from IBS. Mm-hmm. And that was part of what I thought watching. It's like, Oh, they're making fun of people with IBS. That sucks. Having to having to shit on a dime. That's no fun. But I do love and, and and I mean, but I mean, an easy target. Yeah, because exactly, a dime is yeah. a small little thing that you need to shit on. Well, he's very accurate. Yeah. he can't control when, but where it goes, the man is top notch. Um, Jason, there was a reference to, well, I guess a play, but like another movie that we've talked about before. Yeah, in this movie, uh, when Tom Hanks is giving a speech, and I don't what. Uh, Wait, wait, wait. I was just going to say, he's being a pretentious dick, and of course, when he's making up a speech and being a pretentious dick who fancies himself an intellectual, of course he's going to dive into Shakespeare's bag. So here we go. Listen to this and tell us if you know what movie he's referencing. And phone in right now to the hotline. Call in 591-ROCK, 591-ROLL. We who have shared each other's company, each other's cares, each other's joys, and who shall now reap the fruits of our communal efforts, shoulder to shoulder, from each according to his ability, so forth and whatnot. We have had our little differences along the way, but uh, I'd like to think that they've only made us value one another all the more, each of us coming to understand and appreciate the other's unique qualities and potencies, and yes, for our wounds. I suggest that we should look back upon this little caper one day, one distant day, grandchildren dandled upon our knee and perhaps a tear will fall and we shall say well with wit and grit and no small amount of courage we accomplish something on that day a feat of daring do an enterprise not ignoble we merry band unbound by the constraints of society and the prejudices of the common rock. We happy few. <laughs> Gentlemen to us. So, I mean, if you guessed it, you're right. Henry V. Channeling a little Henry V there. We happy few. We merry band. All that sort of shit. And I like, I like, I like that too because... I don't get every reference, but I'm. I would be. I would not be shocked if every single thing he says in that scene is from something different. Mm. Like it's from some other literary source that he's just strung together. Because again, I'm pretty sure he's full of shit. Yeah, he's just. <laughs> he's a. He's a pretender. This guy. He's not legit at all. He's a pretender. One of these things I would never surrender. Yeah. I, I wouldn't start a punk band if I were you. <laughs> is that better? No. How about this? Roar! 
you should be shot. Killing in the name of! Well, that's a good song. Do you know what's uh, really cool and uh, makes sense? That some of those in our forces are some of are the ones that burn crosses? Uh, no, I was going to say, um, wearing a uh, Blue Lives Matter flag as a cape and dancing to Killing in the Name of. Mm, yeah, no, somebody doesn't get subtlety or meaning. Or doesn't listen to oh, lyrics. Irony. <laughs> yeah, doesn't doesn't get it. I mean, they, yeah. just, they literally didn't listen to the lyrics in the song. One of my favorite clips because I just watch it and laugh. And then cry. Yeah. So much like the original, the last third of this movie is essentially a... Uh, it's The last third especially is a Warner Brothers cartoon. And yeah. Mrs. Munson is the roadrunner to all of their coyotes. Yeah, as they try to murder this old lady that just is not... They, they don't have the gumption to do it. No. Well... In some cases, they just happen to fail. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, because uh, basically, essentially, much like the original film, they're planning this heist. The heist goes well for a little bit. And then, of course, Bob goes, your uncle. Everything blows up. The money goes everywhere. And she comes down to see all this money. Yeah. And what I will say that about this movie is at least she is not as naive as the old lady in the original film. Yeah, no, she knows something's up. Although it does take her staring at the portrait of her late husband to change her mind at one point. Yeah. Because <laughs> Tom Hanks, what a, what a, and it's another uh, great example of his like performance is that he starts out by like, like he's trying to explain it away. And he starts out by making up these outlandish lies yeah. about like, what was the thing? Like J.K. Simmons doesn't, his character doesn't like banks. So he had all this money <laughs> yeah. on him. And, and he just turned, I like how they're all doing the dishes too after like the big old lady get together and jk simmons just kind of turns around he's like yep don't trust him never have yeah (laughs) (laughs) meanwhile he's also like you can see jk simmons is getting a little annoyed because tom hanks keeps calling mountain girl mountain water and you can see him just like looking up in the background for a few (laughs) seconds subtle little acting things like that which is why i think those are two of the ones that stand out especially it's what happens when you hire talented character actors right yeah and you wouldn't normally think of Tom Hanks as a character actor. Like you but think he's was, absolutely perfectly capable of that. He just doesn't get the opportunity. No. I would love to see him do more stuff like this. Yeah, me too. Yeah. But anyway, they're, you know, he's appealing. He's doing that. He's trying to be outlandish and stuff. And then he appeals. He finds some way to sneakily appeal to her. Well, he her, tells her the truth, mostly. Sort uh, of. He, he basically tells her the truth. But then he adds the fact that, oh, well, we're going to donate half the money of each of our share to a charity. And wouldn't it be such a lovely thing? And it comes out of the insurance policy. And when you think about it, that's like a penny a person. And she's like, "Oh, I guess a penny wouldn't be, wouldn't hurt anyone." Yeah. And then he sa- and then she says, "He yeah." He makes mention of the charity, and she thinks of Bob Jones University. And then yeah, she looks at the portrait of her dead husband, and she's like, "You know what? I can't do it. I can't do it." She can't violate her morals, yeah. so she gives him an ultimatum: you give the money back, and you come to church with me, and I won't tell anyone. Which, by the way, I don't. I think she's naive enough to to not know that if they gave the money back, they would all be arrested. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she thinks that they can just somehow like slip it back without anybody knowing. Yeah, sorry. Whoops, our bad. <laughs> Whoopsie doodles. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and, and I mean, we we can talk about you know these characters getting killed off, but one of the most ridiculous is when the general gets killed because <laughs> this is supposed to be like a stealthy assassin i mean he kills this guy who survived the vietnam war allegedly he, yeah we don't know which side he fought for <laughs> we <laughs> don't not sc- for sure no we're not sure um he kills jk simmons's character because at one point jk simmons tries to make off with the money yeah um because he blows his finger off and we have that really long scene where marlon wayne's just like He's like, jackass, your finger's on the floor. Jackass, what are you doing, jackass? This, that, that whole bit. Um, but yeah, he tries. He basically decides that he and Mountain Girl are going to make a run for it. Mm-hmm. And the general kills them both. Yeah, he, he goes and strangles J.K. Simmons, and he starts making this noise. And Mountain Girl's like, IBS? And he's like, ah, and he's dying. Yeah, and then we don't see it, but we know Mountain Girl also dies. Because they dump both their bodies in, into the... Barge. Which makes it funny because we also don't know which one is which because yeah. they both have the same amount of hair on their legs. Both hairy legs and both hiking boots. Yeah. <laughs> which I think is, I think they're going for like a joke there, but. Yeah, that's what I thought too, watching it. It's like, which one's which? Yeah. Uh, of course, Marlon Wayne's character dies when he pulls a gun on uh, um, Pancake and then. J.K. Yeah. J- uh, Simmons yeah. and then he falls on top of him and he shoots himself. Yeah, and that's the whole bit where he's like, I checked his carotid artery. Yes, exactly. The crowd are a bit. And then, of course... Uh, but the general... But the general... Well, hold on. Oh, but right, the, general the general dies right. in a stupid, stupid way. So what... what he, he's, what sets it off? He gets, like, a, a frog in his throat or something? He no, goes to... He, well, he has a cigarette. Oh, right. Which, 
I don't know why he needs to bring that with him. He, he can't. He, he should, he, wait, he's an addict. Yeah. Um, right, he puts it in his mouth. He flips it back in. Flips it back in. The alarm clock goes off, and it causes him to swallow the cigarette. Yeah. Of course, his throat is burning. He grabs water that has her fake teeth in it. Yeah. He's grossed out by that, and then he, he goes, whoa, and, like, falls back down the stairs, yeah. breaking his neck, and dies. Yeah. It's, it, it, come it's really on. stupid. It's really really dumb way for this for character to die. That character. And I, yeah. maybe that's the point. Like, you know. This I mean, sure. Life, that can happen. Maybe he maybe he would have done that. But it's uh, it's unsatisfying, I suppose. But also kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I get why I get why it's funny. It's just, uh, I get the science of the comedy in this scene. But then we talk, we want to talk about science of comedy. Then we see what happens to old Lump. Oh, the dumb guy. Yeah, we, we, we uh, uh, they dump off a body and then... Well, they he, dump off they dump off the general. The general and yeah. now it's just him and Tom Hanks. And, to, and, and Dr. Uh, Knorr, or Dorr, or whatever his name is, Dr. Dorr, says, uh, well, you're going to have to do it now. And he hands him a gun. And... I don't think... You, I'm not going to let you do it. Yeah. And so he pulls... So the dude lump grabs the gun and sh- pulls off a shot at uh, Tom Hanks, but there's nothing in the gun. And so he turns around and goes, what? No bullets? And then pulls the trigger and shoots himself. And then he conveniently falls over the edge and lands on another passing barge yeah. that happens to be coming by on the five-minute interval. And then, of course, the yeah, the constantly t- yeah. riverboat, ten riverboats just in a row. <laughs> um, and then, and then, of course, going back to the beginning of the movie when we saw the crow on the statue, um, that statue's head just it's just eroding apparently because yeah. it just slips off and hits Tom Hanks in the head, and he just tumbles over, hanging by his coat. I'll tumble for you. <laughs> Which I don't think he, I don't know if he's dead at that point. But yeah, well, he, I, I was thought that it was gonna be like him. He was gonna be hanged by his cape. Like, yeah. but then but then he pretty falls. dark. But then he falls. Yeah, then the he falls onto the boat he's, and he's, goes where everybody else goes. Dead ski. Also, a rare movie uh, where Tom Hanks' character dies. Yeah, yeah. There's this in Philadelphia. He must have got a bonus. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he has to have the bonus. It's like, if I die in the movie and it's not of AIDS, I have to get a bonus. It's the only way he'll do it for free is if it's of AIDS. If I die in a movie and it's not from AIDS or Jude Law, I have to get a bonus. Yeah, man. Road to perdition. Or or I die in a war. Same Same Private Ryan. Just spoiling all the movies where he dies. Yeah. Man, that was a dark ending. The Burbs, man. When he gets shredded Ooh. at the end by the Burbs. And remember that movie, that thing you do that he only directed but somehow still dies in? Somehow gets like he gets drummed drummed to death. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and 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 uh and Sleepless in Seattle. We know why he's sleepless cuz right. he was dead. Yeah, he died he died of insomnia. You've got mail? He he got He got it. a he got a he got mail, mail and then he, yeah, mail bomb. <laughs> you've got a mail bomb. That movie's about Ted Kaczynski, right? <laughs> yeah, they they shortened the title because they thought you've got a mail bomb well, it wasn't as appealing as you've got mail. And the theater workers were getting really freaked out. Yeah. <laughs> people would call in and ask for showtimes. Like, can I get the showtimes uh, for what? You've got a mail bomb, and people would be like, ah! police getting so many calls. Yeah, it was it was swatting before swatting was cool. <laughs> before it was cool, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's really cool. Oh, it's totally cool. Yeah, ruin somebody's life, get somebody killed. That's the coolest. <laughs> Swat away. Well, I, I do just have a couple of quick things, uh, quick facts um, before we get into your bits and bobs. Sure. Um, you actually already covered one is that he didn't, he never, Tom Hanks never watched the original Lady Killers. Um, Good on you, Tom. But yeah, so William F. Buckley, we talked about, and the, the directors also said about that is, is they said another person who speaks like that, we mentioned Tom as William F. Buckley, and how they described it is that he doesn't have that regional thing, but he has the command of complicated and yet precise lo- elocution. Mm. Uh, each sentence is choreographed in a very impressive vocabulary. And I also want to tell you that the word fuck is used 89 times. That's a lot, and it's probably mostly Marilyn Williams. Probably. Yeah, I'd have to say. I don't think Tom Hanks says it once. <laughs> but right now, Jason, we have to take a brief uh, brief break to hear from our sponsors here on Age of Radio. But we will be right back with Bits and Bobs. Bits and bobs and bits and bobs and bits and bobs and bits and bobs. Jason's got bits. Jason's got bobs. Jason's got bits and bobs. I like how we're consistent with the theme song. That's right. People love it. They sing it all the time. First bit. Download it on Spotify today. First bit and Bob, gotta say, the soundtrack in this movie is fucking fantastic. It's all gospel music and it just, it sounds so good. It's so enjoyable. And I'm not surprised. The Cones, they know how to put together a soundtrack. A few years before this, they did um, uh, the, why can't I think of it? You know the movie I'm thinking of with George Clooney. Oh, Old Brother. Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Which had also a fantastic, like, gospel kind of traditional All sung track. by George Clooney. All sung by George, George Clooney. Recorded on set. 
But yeah, you cannot go wrong with the soundtrack in this movie. It is wonderful. Um, early on in the movie, when we first see George Wallace as the sheriff, we see a poster uh, for his election as sheriff, and his slogan is, he is too old to go to work. <laughs> and that made me laugh. Uh, and also his interaction with the old lady where he's just kind of trying to get her to leave and, and being very de- deferential, but also just like, oh, for Christ's sake. Reminds me of many of my own interactions working at a, at a convenience store mm. um, with older customers. or Not even older customers necessarily, just people that I don't want to talk to. Left my wallet in El Segundo. I haven't even heard that song, but I bet you it's good. I want to listen to it. Uh, everything is kind of thrown uh, into clear, uh, clearly how this was going to go when Tom Hanks shows up and lets the cat out. Let's the cat who? out. Who? Who? It was Tom. Doctor. Doctor Door. Who? 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 Doctor Door. Who? Doctor Door. Let the cat who? out. Who? Doctor. Who? It was Doctor Door. So yeah, that that meant uh, that meant it was. Uh, oh, he also has the teeth. That's the thing. He didn't watch it, but he has the same like buck teeth kind of thing going Alistair that uh, Sim. that Alistair Sim slash Alec Guinness did. It's funny you mentioned the cat because we really should mention the cat. Oh yeah, uh, what's the cat's name? He's a cute cat. Pickles. Oh, pickles. Pickles keep um, getting let out. Well, because pickles is kind of it's almost like a guardian angel mm. <laughs> because like he's always he always sees them dumping the bodies yeah. he always sees them uh, doing any of their isn't he there acts. too when Tom Hanks ends up getting killed yeah, yeah. He's, standing, he's sitting right there and he no yeah but he does because he still has the finger yes J.K. Simmons and the last thing he does is drop it into the barge and then he walks yeah back. another barge is coming by and he drops he waits and then he drops it onto the barge <laughs> which is nice to see the cat survive you always worry yes. when there's animals in these movies. Absolutely. Oh, uh, the dog unfortunately did not make it. We already mentioned them, but again, shout out to Stephen Root and J.J. Uh, uh, J. J. Abrams' favorite boy, Greg Grunberg, uh, mm. who I love seeing in movies. Um, uh, Bruce Coke Campbell, the gills. of course. The first-person football scene that was fun. I like that. That was kind of cool. Like seeing a football game from a first-person perspective. It was all you know. It was no Doom, but it was pretty cool. Uh, general. Oh. <laughs> Wait, wait. I gotta, I gotta question the, the, um, the time this movie took place too, because uh, when Marlon Marlo Wayans loses his job yeah. and they find themselves in quite a pickle, as Tom Hanks uh, says mm. for like five minutes, <laughs> um, but he, uh, he, he goes and pays them off. He pays them off with a hundred bucks. Yeah, he gives the guy a hundred bucks. But like, yeah, exactly. It's like maybe, so it's maybe like, that's what year is this taking place? That's reflective on how shitty a job it is to be Stephen Root's character. That a hundred bucks is enough to change his mind. Yeah, <laughs> and a box of chocolates. And a box of chocolates. Yeah, because he because Marlon Wayans kept commenting on some woman's ass. Yes. Uh, one line that made me really chuckle was uh, when he's reading that uh, book and he's talking about like classical history and he's talking about, he mentions like Helen, of, what I assume is Helen of Troy. And he says, I picture Helen as very, very extremely pale. <laughs> and the, she just, the old lady just kind of looks at him. It's such a great, mm. such a great line reading. So silly. And and again, it just feels to me like he's just making shit yeah, up. Yeah, he's just like, yeah, exactly, making shit up. Uh, shout out to the laughing security guard who, no matter what is said to him, he just is being insulted. He just keeps laughing. That's a weird role, right? Yeah, he just... <laughs> like, they literally... They, it's like Joey. It's like my friend Joey. This, it is like Joey. He's, your, he's my friend too, Jason. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'll hey. let that slide. I've got news for you, Brendan. <laughs> Friends off. <laughs> um, no, I like. Uh, I, I, I think that part is so strange. And I, there's literally a scene where the guy is doing fat jokes for like he's doing a yeah. set for like five minutes. Yeah, exactly, just roasting just like, this guy, and this guy does not stop <laughs> laughing. He's laughing. And even later on, when the we see him when they, they hear the explosion, they both look at each other, and Marlon Wayans' character is like, "Did you, you fart?" And, and he, he goes, just starts laughing. Yeah, know? he just like pauses <laughs> and then he starts laughing, and he's like, and Marlon Wayans like. <laughs> I hope that guy got a nice paycheck because even though he didn't have any lines, that laugh was great. We also had the scene with the ladies all coming over for tea. Nice callback to the original film. And of course, in this one, she wants them to play music, but they won't. So he reads a poem, which may not be a real poem. But. I, I got to say, I think I think I got to put the original over this one. I think I like the old ladies scene in, in the original a little bit more just because there was more the, of the old ladies themselves. And we got more of their individual personalities. Yeah. I think, and we original. had the moments where they were like trying to read the newspaper, but the heist member. Yeah, exactly. Like, trying to stop them. Yeah, exactly. It's great. Um, oh yeah, the line that got me. I was talking about when J.K. Simmons was uh, being condescendingly racist, I guess, toward Marlon Marlon Wayans when he's like, e- "With equal rights come equal responsibilities." And it's like, "Oh Jesus, man, fucking simmer down." There. Yeah, Bull Connor and all his dogs didn't scare me. That's a tough. Bull Connor was a racist white sheriff in the South that set dogs on black protesters, so he's really calling deep there. I thought that was just a no. That's a real person. A real he's a fucking monster. He's a, wow. a villain of American history for sure. Wait, and when was he al- alive? Because maybe that'll give us in a the sense. like sixties. 
Okay, so this is modern then. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, but because she said 30 years since Martin Luther King died, that'd be like late 90s uh, or mid 90s. Well, uh, 68. Yeah, okay, so I late think. 90s. So 98, 99. It's, it's probably contemporary. Not too far off. Uh, I love that, uh, and he's sort of this, this typical liberal guy. So when he absconds with the money, Tom Hanks goes down and looks in the casket where the money's supposed to be, and he opens it up, and it's full of Mother Jones magazine, which is a liberal, very liberal political magazine in the United States that is mm-hmm. just filling up this casket. I thought that was a fun joke. Oh, when J.K. Simmons tries to make off, yeah. Oh, yeah, and, and when they kill Gawain, uh, um, the line, uh, what is it, uh, Tom Hanks goes, uh, oh, this is most irregular. We shall need a hefty bag. <laughs> yeah, I think we've got it all. Uh, again, fantastic soundtrack. Get the soundtrack. There's a part, though, where Tom Hanks is going off about, like, and what... To flog a horse that is not already dead, which is not already like he goes up. Yeah, with his no, beard. I, 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 you know what? I'm going to pull that line up because I saw that it was on IMDb. Hold on a sec here, gentlemen. This is the bandit queen, gambling den, cash cow, Sodom of the Mississippi Delta, and the focus of our little exercise. Here is Orchard Street. Here is the residence of Marva Munson, the charming lady whom you all met moments ago. Gentlemen, I'm sure you're all aware that the Solons of the state of Mississippi, to which its legislature, have decreed that no gaming establishments shall be erected within its borders upon dry land. They may, however, legally float while the gambling activity is restricted to these riverboats. No such restrictions apply to the functions ancillary to this cash bizarre business. The casino's offices, locker rooms, facilities to cook and clean, and most importantly, its counting houses. The reinforced, secret, super-secure repositories of the Luca may all be situated wherever. Gawain, where is wherever? Say what? Where is the money? Oh, okay, look. At the end of every shift, the pit boss brings the cash down to the hold of the ship in a locked cash box. Then once a day, all the cash is moved down to the counting and where is the counting room? Well, uh, be right there in that square where you point. And what to flog a horse that, if not dead, is at this point in mortal danger of expiring does this little square represent? Offices. Underground. Ha! <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that that like he says more than he needs to. Oh, I love it, and and props to Tom Hanks for being able to wrap his uh, mouth around that dialogue. Oh, I'm sure that was not easy. No, he has a it's a hard role. Yeah, I don't have any uh, bits of bobs to no, add to that. That's I've basically said what I need to say. Shockingly, no Oscars, no uh, no no uh, no Baftas for I this American it was a film. Profitable movie. Well, it cost thirty-five million dollars to make, and it made seventy-six point five. Yeah, well, so, despite the despite the critics, it still did well. Yeah. And I think, I mean, Tom Hanks, you have exactly. Tom Hanks in the he's movie. a draw. Yeah, and J.K. Simmons yeah. is a draw, and, Absolutely. and you know, uh, Greg Grunberg in a cameo must have got the people. Oh, talking. he loves it. They're like, "Where's J.J. Abrams?" <laughs> but yeah, so Jason, I mean, we'll just skip right to it. Overall, what do you think? Final verdict: I like this better than the original. Oh shit. Hot take, I, I don't think, I, I don't understand quite why the originals rank so high on the original list. I understand it's an important movie, and I, I think it was probably really funny when it came out, but I don't know that it's held up over the years. This is a much more modern take on it. I find it quite funny, but also, like we said earlier, I don't, this movie doesn't really stir anything in me. I can't say that this, you know, makes me feel anything in particular, but it's funny enough, and it's enjoyable enough, and looks good, everybody in it's fun. It's a good way to kill an afternoon, so check it out. Brendan, what do you think? <laughs> well, thanks, Jason. Um, fun, I think, is the right word. It's it's fun. It, there's nothing um, there's nothing overly complicated here. I don't know how I feel about this in comparison with the original. I'd have to watch that movie again. We did that episode. It was a long, long time, time ago. ago, yeah. Uh, but this one um, was its own thing. I do like that it tried to be its own, its own thing for the most part. Um, I mean, you have Tom Hanks, the Coens. I mean, even lesser Coens is still going to be okay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I liked it. It's 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 got its various issues, but it's it's fine. Be sure to stop by your local Jumbo Video and rent it for a night, <laughs> just for one night. Just for and one if night, you do though. it, if you do it within the next two hours, you get a free bag of popcorn. That's right. You can smell it. You yeah. can smell it when you walk in. Don't you dare bring that video back an hour no. late, though. You better not. That's a two ninety nine late fee. It's <laughs> a lot of money. Yeah. Well, Jason, that is that is that. Um, so we've got okay. So we've got two more movies in this series to All go. Right. We've got, and actually, we're gonna do a, a special episode in, in two weeks. It's not necessarily 
because it's going to be our Christmas episode. So we'll just mm-hmm. we'll get to that when we get to that though. But next week, Jason, we are going to talk about, and Jason doesn't know what I'm going to do. I don't. Surprise to me. We are going to do uh, the remake of The Day of the Jackal. The oh. film is 1997's The Jackal. Which I believe has very little to do with the original, but it should be fun. It's noted as a remake. That's right. It is so a remake. We'll see what happens. Bruce Willis, Richard Gere, Sidney Poitier, the Britishest of actors. And just to refresh your memory, I quite loved The Day of the Jackal. It was actually at the top of my last 20. So will this surpass the, the we, original? We can like only find out. We can only predict that, obviously. Jack Bland, Jack Black get his hand blown off. That's what I'm waiting for. No, that was in the original. Oh, oh yeah. Man, he's really old. <laughs> but never looks it. No. But Jason, that's it for us this week. So we're going to talk about the Jackal next week. Uh, but they can find you on Twitter. That's at Jason D. McLeod. That's M-A-C-L-E-O-D. Come, follow, say hi, say hello. Kill some ladies. Yeah, kill the ladies with me. Yeah, baby. That's what <laughs> why we're did doing. You, why did you do it like an Austin Powers? Yeah, show? baby. Yeah, killing ladies. You know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, you can find us on uh, Twitter uh, at uh, BFI underscore pod. We're on Facebook. Just search for For Screen and Country. We're also on all the podcast apps. Uh, we're But our home base is Age of Radio. Ageofradio.org. Or you can go to ageofradio.org slash For Screen and Country. We are living in the age of radio, ladies and gentlemen. Age of radio. Radio gets results. Radio, radio, radio. Um, but yeah, that's where you can find us. And so I guess until we talk about the Jackal next week, I only have one thing to say to you. God save the queen. God save the screen. And for Screen and Country, my name is Brendan. And my name is Jason. Doodles. Okay, so guitarra. Die, bitch! Okay, so um, let's start with this. What's, what's your name? Cutie. Uh, where were you going? Who were you going with? Left my wallet in El Segundo. Left my wallet in El Segundo. Left my wallet in El Segundo. I gotta get it. I got, got to get it. I left my wallet in El Segundo. Left my wallet in El Segundo. Left my wallet in El Segundo. I gotta get it. I got, got to get it. My mother went away for a month-long trip. Cutting some friends on an ocean liner ship. She made a big mistake by leaving me home. I had to roam, so I picked up the phone. Dolly up to see what was going down Told him I'd pick him up so we could drive around Took the Dodge Dart, a 74 My mother left the yard, but I needed one more Shaheed had me covered with a hundred green bags So we left Brooklyn and we made big tracks Drove down the belt, got all the conduit Came to a toll, we paid and went through it Had no destination, we was on a quest I lay late in the back so he can get rest Drove down the road for two days and a half The sun had just risen on a dusty path Just been a big jump had caught my eye A mirror for Sabrero Who was four feet high I pulled over to ask Where we was at His index finger He tipped off his hat El Segundo He said my name is Pedro If you need directions I'll tell you pronto Need a civilization Some sort of reservation Hey this is Liz And this is Heather And we are Nerdy Bitches Podcast A show where two geeky ladies Podcast their way through pop culture From movies and TV To our regular book club And everything in between We bring you our favorite fandoms With a feminine eye We're talking Star Wars Star Trek Harry Potter DC Marvel Comic books and anime And don't forget Sci-fi, fantasy Action movies Video games D&D Board games And so much more Be sure to check us out On Apple Podcasts Google Play Stitcher Podbeam Or wherever you find awesome podcast you can also find us hanging out on twitter facebook instagram pinterest and at nerdybitches.com talk to you soon